0: Good morning. Beautiful song, Jenny. A good reminder for those who are Jesus's children, and it's also like an invitation in that song for those who need Him. Ah, so good morning to those here in person and those who are online. And just in case, if anyone's wondering how I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Thank you for your love and support and prayers. I appreciate it. I was thinking about my my job and I was thinking about books that I've collected in my profession. And and all of you have had jobs. You probably have collected books, maybe how to do your job, how to learn about the industry that you're in. And I had a book about communication and presentations. And I don't know why I did this to myself. I was pretty foolish, but I went to the section about what happens when people are nervous. (laughs) Right. And I thought to myself, well, is any of these things going to happen to me today? Right. So a couple things that happen, people get nervous and you probably can relate. Some people turn red and they blush. Right. We know how that feels. Um, Some people shake. And I thought, well, this is great. I can kind of hide if I I am too nervous. Uh, some people cry. Uh, you know, I, I thought of that and I thought of the Tom Hanks movie, A League of Their Own, who, who knows that movie uh, about a women's baseball team in the 40s, where he uses the line in the, in the movie when he's yelling at one of the ball players. He goes, There's no crying in baseball. And, and I can't really say there's no crying in preaching because if I say that, God will humble me and make me cry. <laughs> so I went down the list and I went down to the last item on the list and I thought, Oh, great, if this happened, this would be terrible. Some people, when they get nervous, they faint. (laughs) All I got to ask is, if I faint, will somebody pick me up? Before we continue, let's quiet our hearts and uh, see what the Lord has burdened my heart to share today with you guys. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life that we have in you. Lord, as Christians, you have saved us from so much lost sheep that were found by You, by Your wonderful grace and mercy. You saved us, Lord, and give us the life that we have now. Lord, we pray for anybody that's in our midst that does not know You, that has truly not given their lives to You. May they be saved and learn of Your wonderful grace and mercy. And Lord, You put a message upon my heart weeks ago. Before I was even asked to speak, You gave me this message because You were working on me. Lord, we're just servants, Lord. Every man who gets up here is just an empty vessel, Lord. And if you don't give the message by your Holy Spirit, it will not be a blessing. It will not encourage and it won't give the message that you want. So I do ask for your help, Lord. Help me, Lord, as I get through this word. It may it be a blessing to all of us as we walk out these doors to show a light into this world and to show a light to each other. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. The Guinness Book of World Records states that Roger Buckley Lingard, the United States of America, has collected over 100,000 hats, different hats from all over the world that he has amassed since 1970. His collection is so big that he had bus tours to his home. This is a stat over 10 years ago, so I wonder how many hats he has now. But there's a record for other things around hats. The tallest hat, which is 15, 9 inches, 15 feet, 9 inches, that would hurt your head, right? Created by a man named Olden Ozar. There are records for how many hats are stacked on a person's head at one time. The most hats thrown onto a hat stand in one minute. I don't know who thinks of this stuff. Um, one for 30 seconds. Th- these are all fun facts about hats. But when you think about it, hats are a very popular accessory. We wear hats for various reasons. In summertime, you wear a cap to protect your face from the sun. In wintertime, if you go to the snow, where it's cold, you wear a hat to keep your head warm. Construction workers wear a hard hat to protect their head from falling debris. If you go on vacation, you go to your favorite place. You may pick a hat of your favorite place you go to. If I go to Hawaii, I love Hawaii. I get a hat that says Hawaii on it. People wear hats to make statements or perhaps a hat to to show what sports team you, you cheer for. Um, the Golden State Warriors won the championship last month. And amen to that, those who are fans. Amen. I just had to add that in my message, Mike. <laughs> but if you watch the game, at the end of the game, when they celebrate, what do they do? They, they hand the players sh- t-shirts, but they hand them hats. Hats that say Golden State Warriors champions, so that everybody knows they are the champions. My point is that hats are a big part of our lives. Figuratively speaking, we wear a lot of hats based on our roles and responsibilities, right? When I'm working at my job, I have my Kaiser hat on. When I'm spending time with my girls, I have Daddy's hat on. When I'm spending time with Kate, I have my spouse hat on. Moms, you juggle a lot of hats, right? A lot of hats. If, if you're a minister, you have your ministry hat. If you're watching the kids or teaching them, you have that. Many, many hats. We wear the hats to say that we're a Christian, Right. That were Jesus Christ for those who have asked him to be their Lord and Savior. And the Lord tells us to put the helmet of salvation on as part of the armor of God. But there's one hat the Lord buried in my heart a couple of months ago. He said, Rick, you need to wear this hat every day. Yeah, you wear a lot of hats like everybody else. But there's one hat I want you to wear every day to keep on your mind. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, it will keep you grounded it will keep you humble. It will keep you grateful. It reminds us how to best treat each other inside and outside our homes. The ego goes out the door. There's no boasting. When you have this hat on, Rick, your temper's in check. You watch your words and you're not so judgmental. It makes you want to serve and worship and praise the Lord more. It reminds you, Rick, to live your life not forgetting all the Lord has done for you and I. And the hope that we have in Him as Christians. The hat hat says four simple words. We've heard these words all the time. But they're powerful words when you meditate on it. The words are sinner saved by grace. Four simple words. Sinner saved by grace. What does it mean to you when you think of that statement? What it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean it's a statement to use as an excuse for a sin, right? It's not a green a, a card, right? A go-to jail card, right? You can sin all you want. No. It's not an excuse. Well, that's who I am. God, God can't work on my character. It's not used to degrade ourselves and belittle ourselves. We often hear the word mock this statement. I've heard many times people in the world, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Those Christians, right? No, it means so much. It's such a deep four, letter, four word, Four words. When I think a sinner saved by grace, I think despite my sins, my wrongdoings, my transgressions against the Lord, Jesus saved me—something I did not deserve. By His work on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection, He saved me when I cried out to Him thirty years ago. Forgave my sins, healed me, and gave me a new heart. He gave me His Holy Spirit that lives within us. Right? We have the Holy Spirit. He gave me hope that one day I will be in His presence. When you lose loved ones, you cherish that more. You cherish that more. Yes, because of His grace, He gave me something I did not deserve. That is salvation. And that's what He's given the Christian. You see, just because we're Christians, we say this all the time we're not perfect because we know we'll sin. We're always reminded of that. We pray and strive not to, right? We roll up our sleeves and we persevere. We'll always be sinners. It's just now we're sinners saved by grace. You know, to the person today who's listening online or in person. You know, Jesus wants to ask you, are you saved? Can you say that you're a sinner saved by grace? He wants you to open your heart to his wonderful salvation. One of the most powerful statements I ever heard is before I got saved. The day I got saved. The Revelation seminar and the speaker at the time used these words. Does your life show it? Does your life show it? I got saved that minute because my life didn't show it. I pray that everybody's life shows it. So when I thought about this subject, two people came to mind. Two people, when I get to heaven and I ask him, hey, are you a sinner saved by grace? They're going to raise their hand so happily along with all of us when we're up there. But two people, that story's hit me hard. Two beautiful stories. So i got three portions of Scripture I want to read today. The first is in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. My Bible titles this, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. It's a beautiful story. Let's read what God's Word says, starting in verse 36. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Think about these next words. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Look at the attitude. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Look at Jesus' compassion. He, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet, me, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured out perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, this woman loved the Jesus with all of her heart. She showed it, didn't she? With her tears. You know, you know you're really into something when you cry, right? She worshipped. She gave her her, her expensive perfume. She gave, she gave all her heart at this moment of worship and praise. She loved much because she was forgiven much. She was conscious that the Lord Jesus had forgiven her, despite what she's done. See, when we have the sinner saved by grace hat, we don't forgive, forget how much Jesus has forgiven us. We're constantly reminded by it. We... We worship more with our heart. We're more into it, aren't we? We listen more to the word. We listen more to a song. We listen to the words. We have a little more passion, a little more ovation for a service. Right? A little fire in the belly, right? When you don't forget. And Jesus announced publicly to all to hear her sins had been forgiven. And such beautiful words of assurance in verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Lord forgives a sinner and gives us gives them their peace, gives him peace. We can relate to this woman, right? You can put your name in there. That's what Jesus wants to remind us today, to remember this woman and be like her in your worship and your heart for the Lord. Don't go stale. You know, the other thing that hit me was was Simon's attitude and in all the Pharisees, we know who they are, right? We know they represent the enemy. Satan uses those type of people, don't they, doesn't he? The negative voices, the discouraging thoughts. We know in other scripture, when Jesus met with the tax collectors and sinners, what did they say? They grumbled, right? Why is he hanging out with them? You know, when you wear the Christian hat, when you wear that hat, sinners saved by grace, you're not like the Pharisees, right? See, see, Jesus is still saving people today by his wonderful grace. He's not like the Pharisees, he's the exact opposite. People who, who need Christ, who are, despite their sins, he will still save them, right? And for the Christian maybe who's backslidden, who's struggling, who, who needs to come back to Christ, Jesus will still accept that person, right? And you know, I got one word to say to you, what the enemy does. The word is simply lie. Lie, 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 lie. I can say it to i blue in the face. Because that's what he says. He's like the Pharisees. You know, Jesus doesn't want to save you, you sin too much, right? Or if you're a backslidden Christian, you know what? Christians don't want to be around you. The church won't welcome you. No, that's the farthest from the truth. When we have our sinners saved by grace, hat, we're compassionate and gracious like the Lord. We remember how much he saved us. And we're compassionate to those who need Christ. We're also compassionate to those who need to come back. Right? What a beautiful woman. I can't wait to meet her one day. My second portion of Scripture is in Acts chapter 9. Paul's conversion, or at the time the Bible uses his name Saul. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Let's read about Paul. Everybody's favorite. We read the story many times, but it fits with the message I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city where you'll be told what you must do. To do. The men traveling with Saul still their speeches. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I love this next section. I've always found the conversations with Ananias fascinating. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Taurus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. The Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer from my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered in. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You know, you think about Paul. The Lord could have took him out on that road to Damascus, right? Think about it. Probably the greatest number one enemy against the Lord at the time. Satan was using him to do Satan's work, right? But no, the Lord didn't give him a heart attack that day. He could have had an accident. These could have came and robbed and killed them all. No. God had a plan to use a sinner, to save him by his grace. Isn't that encouraging? Because we were all on our road to Damascus, right? You think about it before you were a Christian. You're doing your own thing, right? Making your own decisions, living living your life. As a sinner, right? As a sinner. But when God called you on that road, thank God we all listened, right? If you're a Christian, then you listen to God's voice. Paul listened to his voice. He started to obey. We know in the midst of this encounter, he became a Christian. Don't forget your road to Damascus. Right? It's encouraging. Because all of us could have perished on that road and not be here today. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I'm thankful, God, for my road to Damascus. And I thank God that I called on to be my Lord and Savior. You don't forget that when you have their Sinner Saved by Grace hat on. If you're not a Christian today, or you're not living the life God's calling you to live, maybe you've asked the Lord, but you're struggling, you know, you're on that road to Damascus. And you're making your own decisions, right? You're living your life how you want to live. You may think you're doing what you want to do, but that road to Damascus doesn't lead anywhere, does it? If you're not a Christian, you live 30, 40 years, you're, on that, you're stuck on that road. Leads to nowhere. Ultimately, leads leads to hell. It does, doesn't it? And on that road, you make so many bad decisions. But why go any farther, right? If God is calling to save somebody on the road to Damascus, why go any farther? No one loves you more than him. He knitted you in your mother's womb. He has watched you from birth. Don't make any more bad decisions. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Think about it. Think about it this morning. Be saved on your road to Damascus, and then you could add to that word "sinner" saved by grace. I want to read read more about Paul today. My last portion of scriptures in First Timothy. First Timothy chapter one, verses twelve through seventeen. My Bible titles this, "The Lord's grace to Paul." another great scripture about Paul. and this is Paul speaking. Listen to the words he says. There's so much there. First Timothy chapter one, verses 12 through 17. Paul says, "I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who's given me strength, that He considered me trustworthy, appointed me to His service." Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out to me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners who I am the worst. Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who'd believe in him and receive eternal life. In the last verse, he says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen." Amen. Three things hit me when I was reading this. You know, Paul talks about his past life. And when you live your life not forgetting, you remember what God has got you through, right? We shouldn't forget it. But we don't use it to cripple us, right? We don't use it to cripple us. I look at my past life and I'm thankful that God used all that stuff, but I don't dwell in it, right? And, and, and the enemy, what he likes to do, he likes to bring up the past sometimes, right? Like Paul's describing his past here, right? And the enemy likes to bring it up to discourage you, to bring you down, right? To have you not have a heart for the Lord. Why the Lord allow that to happen? Or, or discourage you from saying, God can't use me. The enemy does all of that stuff. And like I mentioned before, lie, 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 right? But when you have your sinner saved by grace hat on, you are reminded that you are a victorious person. Everybody here is who asks Jesus Christ to be Lord and say, are victorious in him. If you're in your seat today and you're walking with him and serving him, you're victorious, right? You are. And praise God for that. You know, I look across this room and I was thinking about we have a lot of people here who have served the Lord for many, many years. I look at our elders who have been serving before Randy became an elder. We have our Mike and Adel and Bill. All those years of service. Victory, right? Victory. All of us here have victory in the Lord. Remember that, right? Because the enemy will come in a dream. He will bring someone in your path. He will bring thoughts to say, yeah, you were this way and discourage you, but Jesus says, no. Point to the cross. You're a victorious Christian, Rick Punzo. I wouldn't be up here today if I wasn't victorious in Him. There's no way I could stand up here. Praise God for the victories we have in Him, and the many more He'll give us. Second thing that touched me is Paul reminds us, you know, living our lives not forgetting. He remember it is by grace that we are saved, nothing of ourselves. And he talks about him being a prime example. And he was an example. That's why Paul is one of everybody's favorite person in the Bible. But when we have our sinner saved by grace hat on, we have it on our minds to be an example. Right? To be an example. I can get up here and, and speak all I want, but if I'm an example to my kids, I'm failing. Right? I got be reminded every day I could be an example to my kids. I got to be an example to my wife. To my friends, right? We all should want to be an example. And whatever God guides you, whatever service, whatever he has on your heart, to be an example too. But when we're sinners saved by grace and we meditate on it, we're reminded, let's be examples. Let's be examples like Paul was. And then the last part that touched me was his, just his worship in verse 17. I'm going to repeat it. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was like that woman who anointed Jesus, wasn't she? Wasn't he? They both praised the Lord and worshiped him with all their hearts. They really both did. She did by her tears what she gave the perfume on his feet by her heart. Paul did the same thing here. Yeah, Lord, I used to be this way, but I'm a sinner saved by grace and I praise who you are. When we have our Sinner Saved by Grace hat, we praise the Lord deeper. We really do. And we have a deeper walk with Him. And I talked about hats today, and we do have a lot of roles and responsibilities, and everybody has what they have to do. And I've said the word Sinner Saved by Grace a lot today. I've said Sinner Saved by Grace, make sure you have the hat on. But there, is a, there was a reason why the Lord wanted me to keep on emphasizing that point because we need grace. Grace to each other and grace to this world. And I think sometimes as Christians, we'll always be saved. You don't lose your salvation. We know that. And no matter how we live our lives, we'll still be sinners saved by grace. But we don't have the hat on. I think sometimes we take that hat and we put it to the side. We're not focused on it, right? You're always saved. But sometimes if you, if you don't have the hat on, you're not reminded. You're not focused. And God wants us to put that hat on. Keep it on. So when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, make sure you have your sinners by grace hat on. It will keep you grounded and humble and grateful. It will remind you how to best treat each other inside and outside our home. Egos go outside the door. There is no boasting Your temper is in check. Words are watched. We're not so judgmental. It makes us want to serve and worship and praise our Lord more. It reminds us to live our lives not forgetting. All the Lord has done for you and I. And what we have to look forward to as Christians. For the non-Christian in the room, if there is any, only the Lord knows. I don't know. But just remember one thing. God wants to save you by His grace. He wants to give you the best life. The world has nothing to offer. It really doesn't. Yeah, you'll have fun. Or you'll make a decision and it works out. Oh, that worked out well for me. But if you're not in God's will, if you're not in His grace, you're still lost. And God still wants to save you. He wants to save you like He's done for so many in this room. So you can walk out those doors and say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I always will be, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. A sinner saved by grace. I would like to end with lyrics from a song. I pulled this up last week at the last moment, but I found it. The song is probably titled Sinner Saved by Grace. The songwriters will be familiar to some of you who, who like Southern Gospel. Uh, Bill Gaither, Gloria Gaither, and Mitch Humphreys. I think we have a Southern Gospel crowd over here in the back. But listen to the words... Sometimes we hear a song we don't listen to the words, and I'm gonna try to get through these words because when I first read them, I gotta admit I got choked up. So I haven't fainted yet. So I'm doing good so far. But think about the lyrics. The songwriters, Bill, Gloria, and Mitch, when they wrote this song, you know they had their sinner saved by grace hat on. Here are the lyrics. If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you would see the miracle of love that took me in its sweet embrace and made me what I am today, a sinner saved by grace. How could I boast of anything I've ever seen or done? How could I dare to claim as mine the victory God has won? Where would I be had God not brought me? Gently to this place. I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, He took my place. And now I grow and breathe in freedom. With each breath of life I take, I am loved and forgiven back with the living. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Beautiful song, right, brothers and sisters? Amen. If we can end with a word of prayer, if we can bow our heads, please. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time today. Lord, we we gather in this church every Sunday, um, not because of anything we've done. Not because we're talented or educated or have money or are great at our social skills. We walk through these doors every Sunday to worship and praise you. We start with the breaking of bread because it reminds us to live our lives not forgetting. We fellowship in the blue room because we need to. It's always nice to have fellowship. The kids have their Sunday school so they learn about you so they can live a Christian life. And then we gather in this room for a second service, Lord. We, we have a beautiful song that was sang by Jenny. And then your word is shared, Lord. Lord, you don't need us for anything, but you use us, Lord. You allows us, allow us to share your word. You allow men to get up here, Lord, to share your word. And today, Lord, you gave us a message that touched my heart weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, about being a sinner saved by grace, Lord. We're grateful that we are saved. We're saved by your grace. Lord, help us to have that hat on every day to remind us to live our lives not forgetting. To have a passion to serve you. It doesn't matter for preaching, singing, serving, cleaning, but to have a passion to serve in our church where you have us at, Lord. To be a blessing to each other, to be a light in this world that needs Christians in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, Lord. And Lord, we pray for anybody that's in our midst today, who's not a Christian, that you have opened their eyes and their ears to be truly saved, Lord. Not had knowledge, but truly be saved. And for anybody who's struggling, who's a Christian, maybe is struggling, needs encouragement, may this word be an encouragement to them, Lord. And as we end our time, Lord, we thank you for this time. Until we meet again, protect us on the road, protect us in our daily lives. And we love you and we praise you. In your most precious name we pray. Amen.